Welcome everybody to the final weekend, the final weekend of decades. I don't know if you've been a part of this series. I hope you've enjoyed it. Some of you, you've really enjoyed certain decades. And now we find ourselves, well, at the end, at the thousands. We're going to stop at the thousands. And, but maybe you don't know why we're doing this. Just in, just in case, when you think about a decade, when you think about walking through the 70s or 80s or 90s or thousands, you need to know that there incredible things happen there. But most of us become a product of the previous decades. In fact, here, here, here's what you need to know about decade. Uh, every decade has a vice. Every decade had a, uh, a weakness of character that, that brought about uh, maybe the worst of us. Maybe the moments where like, this is the, and we passed it on. So as it builds the 70s, 80s, 90s, thousands, now gives us these character traits that you and I, we have to address this. We have to go after this. And the thousands do the exact same thing. In the thousands, certain things played out, and they may have affected you, and, and I think God has something to speak into that. But, but to get there, let's, let's see all that was playing out uh, in the thousands. Let's go, let's go movies. I don't know what your favorite movie was of the thousands. If you even remember them, Avatar was, I think, one of the biggest grossing ones and made tons of money. Pirates, all that. I don't know what your favorite one was. Uh, movies were good, but TV, I mean, I'll just admit to you right now, some of my favorite TV ever came from the thousands, particularly the, the Office, just absolutely awesome. I, did, I tried to watch Lost, never got into it. Um, oh, okay, okay, music. I know that we're a church that loves music, and, and you may not agree with what I put up. I usually know, I, I searched the top 20 uh, of Billboard, and, and this is what they say, and, and some of it makes sense. Mariah Carey, Black Eyed Peas, I, but there's one here, and I just regret putting up here, Nickelback. I'm sorry, I, I apologize on behalf of the church for putting that on the TV. I mean, come on, but somehow they made money. And, and, and I don't know what music you love or liked, and maybe we haven't covered it, but, 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 but maybe we can. 
Maybe we can. So, so one last time, one last time, here's some music from the thousands. One, two, three.
I mean, come on, come on. Didn't they do an awesome job with this? I think it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it, it's, it's awesome when, you, when you're able to reflect back, right? To, to go back sometimes and I, some memories get sparked, some songs you're used to listen to, some you might just flat out be embarrassed by. You're like, I can't believe I like that. But, but they did an incredible job putting that together. And, and the thousands brought a lot of fun stuff, good music, movies, TV. But I think, and perhaps it's because it's so close to us, some of the events of the 2000s were majorly significant. Let, let me show you some. And, and of, of course, we all were marked by 9-11. I'm going to talk more about that. But our, one of our presidents, President Barack Obama, we, we elected a man that we had never elected before in a way that we crossed racial boundaries that even the previous decade we were struggling with. And you see the significance of what was unfolding in our country. Also, in 2008, financial crisis, some of you were impacted by that. And then uh, with the internet, social media began to, you can say, plague us, help us, whatever you want to talk about. Major things affected us in the thousands, but... I want to go back to 9-11. I mean, especially, come on, in, in our region, some of you were, were boots on the ground right afterwards. Um, many of us are affected. In fact, right now, you can probably, can you not remember where you were if you got that news? Most of us can. And in fact, I remember one of the... My, is, is going to sporting events after 9-11. And what used to be almost routine, the, the national anthem, and we would stand and take our hats off or put our hands on our chest, and we would have these moments. It changed. Everything was different from that point on. And I think everything has been different from that point on. If you lived during that time, and you remember that time, and you can, you can dwell in it now, uh, at the beginning of the thousands, we, we were united this tragedy brought a nation into this almost collectivism, this, 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 this thought that we, were, we are a group of people who love each other, will fight for each other, defend each other, walk with each other. It's incredible, actually. But we didn't stay there, as you well know. Those moments were horrible, yet uniting, but it led us to it led us to an ending that I don't think is good. And that's what we got to talk about. Here, here's, here's the thousands. Here's, here's, here's just a simple assessment. We started with us, and we ended with me. We started with, we are together. We are, we are a nation. But we landed with a bit more of an individualistic kind of thinking. We ended, and we, we, we actually, the, the second part, we, we began to be pretty much consumed with, with ourselves. We, we moved into a new phase of life, actually, where, where self-esteem became, it was like, you got to make sure that you think about yourself well, that, you're, that you, you're taking care of yourself. And we moved away from how are others uh, doing and, and what are we doing? But we, we began to focus. In fact, there's, there's a term that began to unfold, which I don't know, I read it in a book called it's Safetyism. It's weird, okay? We got so consumed somewhere in the thousands with making sure everyone had a good self-esteem, everyone as an individual was, was puffed up in exactly what they should be, that we started what's now called safetyism, where colleges and, and parents began to protect 
kids and students from having any psychological distress where we did not want anyone to have a, well, frankly, a bad day. We didn't want them to have an emotionally tough moment. And safetyism began to like, be everywhere, everywhere where, where we thought the ultimate place to get would be to be super, super high on our self-esteem. Now, you know, you know how we went after this. It's, it's not good. We, we taught self-esteem through false accolades. Now, now some of you, you're, you're going to either love this or hate this, but we, we began to say, okay, okay, this is a new kind of a life that we're going to live, and we've got to make sure our self-esteem is strong and good and awesome. And so, so parents began to just tell their kids, hey, you're awesome and amazing at that. When... In your head, you're like, I hope you quit that sport because you're miserable. Or we begin to puff people up. We, we actually begin to lie to kids and people so that they would have this incredible self-esteem. I mean, I, do, you remember, do you remember American Idol? I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched American Idol, but just, just go. Do you remember the parts that most of us love most about American Idol? We're not when the final contestants got to the end and we're watching who's going to be the best and who's, who's going to be awesome with this. It's, we watch the beginning parts where we watch people embarrass themselves on, on TV in front of millions of people because people told them, oh, you're a good singer, you're great. Yay. And we were, I think, with good hearts trying to build them up. Like, hey, we don't want to be mean to you. And, but we begin to misinterpret. We, we, be, we begin to be all about each individual seeing themselves as they should. And it, it led us to this kind of thinking that's just, well, crazy. Here's what happened in the thousands. We focused so much on believing in ourselves that we became narcissistic. We, we actually... We actually transition from, well, you want to be healthy emotionally, so, so you're great, you're good, you're amazing. In fact, I read a study, no joke, they went to some college students, and here's the question they asked. They said, if you got a bad grade, if you got a bad grade on test, uh, do you think it's okay to go to a professor and say, professor, I worked really hard though, and the, the question was, do you expect to get a better grade if you work hard? Two-thirds of the students said, well, yeah, uh-huh. Two-thirds of them were so consumed and raised in a generation where, where they, they had learned this idea that, that it's all about me and how I feel, and if I just feel like I did a good job, then that should be good. Give me a trophy. Give me, let me know that I'm important. And so tons, tons, thousands, maybe millions of people walk in this planet thinking they're amazing, and it led us to becoming narcissistic, thinking only about ourselves, dwelling on ourselves, being consumed by ourselves, thinking I've got to be, and it's all about me, 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 me. We became narcissistic. Maybe you don't know what it means. Here's the definition of narcissistic. Having an undue fascination with oneself, vain. Let me clearly tell you something. This has become ingrained in our culture. This has become such a unhealthy dynamic for us. 
We're given kids accolades. We're starting jobs expecting to have everything about the job that people who have worked that job for 30 years have done. Because we are consumed with ourselves and it's led us to living life about ourselves where we wake up and we function in life and we are consumed by what we want, what we deserve, what should be about us, how people should pay attention to us, what they didn't do for us, what they did do for us. It's led us to being narcissistic. Do you, do you know that that's unhealthy? In fact, do you know in the Bible it spells out that you and I should live exactly the opposite of that? Let, let me show you this, because I think this is a big deal. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Does that sound like, no, it doesn't sound like us. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take on the interests of others too. Do you, do you see how we have gotten this wrong? We have taken wisdom from the Bible straight from God on how to live life to take care of the interests of others, but we, in the thousands, introduce us to a, this idea of being all about ourselves. Some sociologists have called this the, the law of the line. In fact, I wanna show this to you. I've, I've, I've invited some, some volunteers to be a part of this, and this is really difficult. I'm gonna have them just get, in, get into a line. This is, this is gonna be really complicated. I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so, so here's a line, and, and, and I don't know how you see life. I don't know what life looks like to you, but there's something called the law of the line, and, and society, especially from the thousands, taught us this is how life is. In other words, that when you live life, it's like this. You stand in a line where our objective is to have what the person in front of us has, to have that position, that role. And so we see life as this, or we're just going, I want that, and that's always the best. And what we have a tendency to do is never pay attention to those who are in the back of the line, who we don't want to be them. They're going to have to wait longer. In fact, do you know how weird this is, how awkward? Like, what if you're standing in a line and you just kind of did this. I mean, is that not just weird? It's weird. It's a little awkward. Just, can you, ima can you imagine being in a, in a grocery store or some line, and, and instead of doing what you're supposed to do, by the way, like you just wait, you wait, you do this. But we don't do that, and it's weird. It's in our culture. It's called the law of the line, where we get consumed with our place in line. Do my getting what I deserved? And in fact, many of us think if I could, if I could cut in the line, I would. If I would get caught, I I want to get to the front of the line when Jesus taught us the absolute opposite. That's called the law of the line. Uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate that. That's a good job. You did really well standing in a line. Uh, that's the law of the line. Law of the line. And so what this teaches you and I about the thousands is, here's the thousands. It was focused on self. That was the whole focus was self where we learn that if we neglect ourselves, then we may not get what we deserve, what we want, what we crave, what we have to have. So we've got to make sure that our self-esteem is awesome and that we get the privileges and opportunities and moments that we deserve. <sighs> Thousands literally introduced a culture that completely contradicts what's best for you. Now, how in the world did we in the thousands get to where we just, I mean, most of us are like, this is ugly, right? 
Most of us are like, I don't want to live that kind of life. I don't want to be that kind of person. But how did we, I could show you how we got there. In fact, if you've been a part of the series, you've caught on. Here, in the 70s, if it feels good, do it. That was what that decade was all about. 80s, if you, if you want it, well, get it. Doesn't matter if you can afford it. 90s, if you like it, well, then it's true, if you like it. Which led us to this. Life is about you. I don't think in your core that you believe life is actually about you. But our culture has this stream, and it is powerful, this undercurrent that is drawing us to think that we've got to be completely focused on ourselves. That's dangerous. In fact, I thought I'd give you a comparison. Let's go way back to the 40s and 50s, and what characterized those decades, those generations, was focused on others. If, if you're familiar with this, you know that this is when what's called the greatest generation, they were, they were fighting a war. And they learned that if you, if you trust God and, and help others, sacrifice for others, then that's the best version of life, to where you help others, you, you think about others, you invest in others. In fact, what's interesting is the greatest generation would refuse that tagline. They would say, don't call us the greatest generation. We weren't about ourselves. However, I think, I think in the thousands, I think we'd gladly take that title. But we wouldn't have earned it. You and I, if we're not careful especially in a culture that is narcissistic, where we are consumed with ourselves, if we're not careful, we're gonna, we're gonna be our own end. And so what do we do? I mean, how, how do we respond? How do we get healthy? I mean, how do, how do you move from being narcissistic? How do you move out of that? Well, like usual, Jesus gives us, I think, the best lesson, and, and we can lean into his life and grab a hold of, so I think, a very powerful lesson. Um, let me walk you through this. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He knew he was going to get crucified. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. And here's where we get to the story. And the devil had already prompted Judas son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So Judas is with him. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel, he had around him. I'm, I don't know if, if you fully understand exactly what I even just, this, this is huge. See, let me give you context because I think it's important. Whether you know the context, here, in, in this culture, when Jesus would have decided to get up from where they're about to have a meal and, and, and take his own clothing, in essence, and go around him and wash people's feet. Have you ever had someone give you a gift or serve you in a way and it made you feel somewhat awkward? 
where you're like, oh, wow, this is extravagant or this is not normal. Whoa, that's a little bit, if not more, what they would have been feeling because, see, even in that era, a Jewish person didn't even let a Jewish slave wash people's feet because it was such a lowly thing. They would always have a Gentile slave do it. I mean, back then, they would wear sandals, and their feet were pretty much nasty, like crazy nasty. And so it was, it was custom that when you would, before you have a meal, you have your, your hands washed and your feet washed. And so that was left to a slave. All of a sudden, Jesus gets up, lowers himself, and says, I am going to wash your feet, washes their feet, dries their feet. That sounds like not at all anything in our culture nowadays. So then Jesus explains himself because they're so like, what in the world just happened? After washing their feet, he put his robe, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Because he was, I think he was like, you don't, you don't even, you're not even sure what's going on. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now, we've talked a lot as a church, if you've been around, that we believe our lives, we should mimic, we should copy how Jesus lived. He wasn't just doing things and saying, hey, I'm in the mood to do this. That when you watch Jesus' life, who really walked this earth, factual, proven, watch what he did, how he did it, we're, to, we're just like to mimic it. Well, that's problematic when we, are, when we have a culture, a decade, like the thousands who said, no, focus entirely on yourself. Make sure you get what you deserve. Be consumed, and make sure you're safe while you're doing it. No one causes you any emotional harm or physical harm. Make, Jesus was teaching a profound life lesson that is missing right now. If, if you missed it, I, I thought I'd spell it out real clear. Just... Here we go. Live, see me less. Live, I see you more. Right now we live in a culture, I mean the decades have really impacted so close to us. See me, I mean, just think for a second, social media. No matter what you do, there's a tendency that many of us use it simply so that we will be seen and feel seen. Think about when you go to work, when you go to work or, or school. Is your motivation that you will finally be seen, that someone will finally appreciate you, value for, for how great you are because someone told you when you were a kid that you're the most amazing at absolutely everything. It's created a group of us who just want to be seen, we're desperate, so we live to be seen. And Jesus just said, no, 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 no. Live, I see you more. What if you and I were to do this? I mean, what if you and I were to begin to operate a, in a completely different way where we would actually wake up and in our homes, at our schools, even, even on the athletic field, uh, work, wh wherever, where our agenda was to see others. Do you notice that what Jesus didn't do in this whole thing where he didn't, he didn't stand up and be like, hey, no one's here to wash feet. Um, I need one of you to wash my feet first. I'm the rabbi. If he had done that, you know what would have happened? 
Someone would have gotten a towel and a basin, washed his feet, and we would have never heard of the story. It would have been very normal, but he didn't. He didn't go after, hey, do you see me? He went after, hey, I see you and your need, and I'm going to address it. And you know, you know Jesus walked this out further than that one room where he washed their feet. In fact, Philippians says it well. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. What if you gave up your privileges? He took the humble position of a slave was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Listen to me, church. Life is not near as complicated as we make it. But life, life does need you and I to consider that there are other people in this world. There's a recent story that I want to, I want to bring up. In, in 2017, the USS Fitzgerald actually had a physical run-in with another ship. Uh, here's a picture, and, and you can see the damage. And even, even I know from your perspective, you're like, okay, that looks semi-bad. That's, uh, okay, that looks bad. But what you don't see and what maybe you don't know about this story is that lives were were being endangered on the inside. They couldn't get out. Water was rushing in. Uh, it, it, was, it was horrible. There was an individual who was known for helping. He went to action. Uh, his name is Gary Rehm. Um, he could have just escaped as, as, as fast as he could. In fact, there's evidence that he could have gotten himself out of this and, and would have been fine. But, but I thought, I, I just want to bring you into this because I think this story is worth it. Here's, here's what was said about him. This isn't me. The Fitzgerald was struck below the waterline. And it's told by the Navy that he went under and saved his crewmates, possibly, possibly 20 of them. Now here's what I love. Here's the interesting part. People who knew Reem have said the same thing over and over and over about him. This is a big deal. Listen, I hope you'll get a hold of this. When I'm, listen, Gary was just acting according to the character he had spent years shaping. He was acting according to the character he had spent years shaping. See, I think, there, I think there's wisdom in that. Profound wisdom. He had spent years shaping. I read tons of articles on this because they talk about this guy and, 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 and friend after friend, relative after relative, and this isn't just being like, well, we're trying to honor him. They're being serious. Every one of them said, like, his agenda was to help people. He even called the other people on the ship his kids, and he said, if we have to die, I'm dying with you. He was known constantly for helping others, going after moments that would be scary for many of us. And he Day after day, let his character get shaped. In fact, I think shaping it for a day where he would actually have to put his life on the line. It's profoundly impacted me. 
So much so that I, it, it brought about a question that I've been asking of myself that, well, I want to put it in front of you. What kind of character have you been shaping? What kind of character have you been shaping? What if you don't have to let the thousands, or frankly, they say some sociologists, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, if you were born or lived in any of those generations, sociologists now call that the whole era of me, which led us to this decade of, oh yeah, you better believe it's about me. Don't say anything mean about me. Don't make me have to encounter anything difficult. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. What if you don't have to be that person? What if you could actually say, today I'm going to make decisions that will shape my character and help other people? And maybe you don't like the answer. You're like, man, I, maybe you haven't been shaping your character well, but you, could, you can reword this a little bit. How are you going to start shaping your character? Jesus gave us a model. Let's not be, listen, let's not be guilty of putting taglines on the next decade that we're actually soon going to finish where it continued to be consumed by us. What if if even in the next year and a half, (laughs) what if you and I could actually shape what happens next. I think we can. And Jesus gave us a model. See other people. Look at other people. Help other people. And figure out a way to get into their lives, identify their needs, and be a part of meeting their needs. That's what Jesus would tell us today. Let me pray with you. God, I, I, feel, uh, I feel guilty a little bit in this. There's, there's a, I know that I have many days, many, many days where emotionally I want people to see me. Uh, I even will sometimes treat people and go about life like it's about me. God, would you forgive me? And I imagine there's many others who feel the exact same thing. Right now, God, would you, would you help us to not only be a a church who cares about other people, but a city, a region, a state, a nation, a world who cares about other people. God, help us fight what happened in the thousands. Don't let it leak onto our lives. God, we thank you for the strength and even, even the promptings to help other people. Will you help us be diligent in that and bold in that? We love you so much, God. Thank you for what you taught us through this series. We praise you. We thank you. We pray this in the name of Jesus.